Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A concerning day tomorrow with the industrial action uh, really coming to a head. The Secretary of State has met with senior civil servants to try and bring an end to the industrial action by NHS staff. Uh, just uh, hours to go before tens of thousands of health staff uh, actually stage walkouts. It's uh, understood that the Secretary of State has been holding talks with uh, David Sterling, the head of the civil service with the department of health's uh, permanent secretary Richard Pengelly. they're trying to they're trying to really resolve the issue. Maybe find the money. Would that be part of it? Um, let me speak to Lisa Smith from the Belfast Telegraph, who's uh, covering health for the paper. Good morning, Lisa. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well. Very well, Lisa. Obviously, no one wants to see mass industrial action by everyone in the health service, and it's a concerning time, especially if you're in the system and you're ill and you're worried about tomorrow and what indeed the fallout from tomorrow might be. We're hours out from it now. How do you see it at the moment, Lisa? What is happening? I think it's very, very difficult to call. Um, Obviously, I've been speaking to various different people over the past couple of weeks, and I was speaking to more people yesterday. Um, I'm getting different messages from different people. Nobody really knows, or um, particularly from the union side, there haven't been any further negotiations with the Department of Health since the unions turned down their sort of last offer a few weeks ago. The Department of Health have stayed firm since then to their stance that there's simply no more money to offer the unions. Um, The um, Permanent Secretary simply says he doesn't have the power to to overrule any um, previous um, ministerial decisions about payment. The Secretary of State has also said that it is a devolved matter so um, I think yesterday the unions were, were sort of waiting with bated breath to find out what the political parties were going to do. It's very, very unlikely that an executive is going to be formed today and the budget's going to be found to provide that money. But I was told yesterday that um, very senior members of the civil service were meeting with Julian Smith. Now, obviously, there are a lot of meetings going on this week anyway because of the, the, the talks that are back up and running. But I was told that part of those discussions with Julian Smith would have involved trying to find some way forward to try and break the deadlock between the unions and the Department of Health. 
So we're still in a position where the strike at this moment in time is going ahead. How will it impact on us and who will be on strike? Would it be easier to tell us who won't be on strike? Doctors will be on strike. I mean, that's pretty much uh, the the easy way to, to explain it. You've got the Royal College of Nursing. That's the first time they've ever gone out and strike in their 103-year history. Um, so I'm hearing that there is huge support from members uh, to, to be going out on strike. So you've got all of their members. Then you've got Unison, you've got Unite and NIPSA. And those three unions would have a variety of different um, health service employees in, in their unions. Unison's paramedics are due to go out tomorrow. And that's going to have a significant impact. Now, they have um, derogated Category 1 and Category 2 calls, which are the most life-threatening and uh, serious calls but other than that they won't be attending call outs um, so there's various different conditions that they won't be attending and they will be attending um, I mean it's it's difficult to underestimate you simply can't underestimate the impact that this will have on the health service if the strike goes ahead tomorrow. For example, emergency departments, while there will be nurses on hand to deal with the most life-threatening cases, they will be dealing with almost a skeleton staff. So um, it's likely that there will be more pressure then on the out-of-hours service, on GPs, um, and likely as well that there will be a bit of pressure on the police too to attend calls if the ambulance service can't make it to call outs as well. So, I mean, it's it's vital that they can find some kind of breakthrough today, but whether whether the money is made available today to stop the strike action, we will have to wait and see. Certainly I've been told from the union's perspective that if a firm offer was to, to come today, they would certainly be in a position to call off the strike action. They certainly don't want to strike, but I think they feel at this stage that they've been left in with no other choice. So if they heard today that pay parity was guaranteed after Christmas, would, would that be enough? I, I certainly think so. I mean, that has been... We, we've, we've been talking an awful lot about red lines recently in Northern Ireland, and I think from the union's perspective, that's one of their red lines, is pay parity. That was that was the reason why they turned the last offer down from the Department of Health, because it didn't give them pay parity. I know the department was hopeful, and I know that Julian Smith was hopeful. He seemed very, very optimistic about that offer um, before it was even given to the unions, um, that, that they would think very carefully about it, but they were very, very quick to reject it on the grounds that it simply wasn't offering them pay parity. And they're very, very clear that that is what their members, that's their mandate from their members, and they're not willing to accept anything other than pay parity. Just remind Obviously, us, just remind us of, of, of why they're calling for pay parity. How different is their salary from England, Scotland and Wales? Well, you're talking about... Um, several thousand pounds a year um, between a nurse here and a nurse in the rest of the UK, which is a significant difference. And Northern Ireland has a, a, a nursing uh, shortfall. Short I mean, it, there, there's a shortage of nurses throughout the UK. We are not unique, but we have it. It's a significant problem here. And uh, obviously, the health service here is, is 
in a particular crisis as well. So you have nurses here working under extremely difficult conditions and they're getting thousands of pounds a year less than their colleagues in the rest of the UK. They're quite a mobile workforce and we are seeing issues. It's, it's very, very difficult for us as well attract nurses in. If you're going to another country to try and attract nurses into the UK, if they're looking around and they're trying to make a decision between whether they go to Scotland or they come to Northern Ireland, it's a no-brainer really. You go to the country where you're going to be paid more. So the, the RCN and the other nurses are very, very clear that pay parity will help to address the workforce issues that we have here in Northern Ireland, which are contributing to the issues here in, in the health service. At the moment, are people being advised not to go to A&E tomorrow? No, no, absolutely not. Um, I think the, the advice is always the same. Should you have a medical emergency, should you um, have a life-threatening condition, you must phone 999, you must go to your A&E, your emergency department. I think it's always the same um, any day. If, if you don't need to be in an emergency department, there are other services that you can access. Um, but it will be interesting to watch throughout the day tomorrow. I know the various trusts would put out posts on social media whenever they're having particular difficulties, asking people to stay away from emergency departments unless they absolutely need to be there. So it will be interesting throughout the day to see whether those those posts are, are put up on social media. You have to remember the way the emergency departments work, even even if they have the staff in them and the, and the beds and the capacity to cope with the patients who are turning up. If you have nurses in the wards, for example, who have, through all of this, they've been transferring patients from a ward down to have them discharged out of the ward. If the nurses aren't there and the porters aren't there to do that, then they can't empty the bed in the ward. If they can't empty the bed in the ward, then the staff and the EDs can't get the patients out of ED up into the wards. And that's where you'll probably see the backlog developing in emergency departments. Yeah, so if the strike goes ahead, expect a long delay at A&E tomorrow. You have a a significant wait at A&E anyway, but you would imagine that tomorrow they are going to be finding it incredibly difficult. As for the person who sadly tomorrow and every day it happens has a cardiac arrest, a, a person who... You know, they're suffering a heart attack. It's tomorrow is their, sadly, their day. And they Mm -hmm. are going to, their friend, their neighbour, their loved one was going to ring 999. You've suggested that that's a priority call and the paramedics will come. They will will be there to to help you. But the the person doesn't make it. They they, they die in the ambulance or they die while the ambulance uh, staff are on, on route. There'll be that feeling with those families, won't there? That if there hadn't have been a strike, you know, my mother, my father, my relative mightn't have died. I mean, I suppose that's always a possibility, but the unions have been very, very clear and I have seen advice that has been handed out to their members that they, that their priority will remain to be, um, you know, to obviously be on hand to preserve life. That is what our health service is for. That is what the union unions are fighting for to improve the services. I mean, you mentioned there the possibility of someone having a cardiac arrest tomorrow and dialing 999. The Northern Ireland Ambulance Service, as it is, is struggling 
significantly meeting demand. And I am aware of cases already where there are not enough um, paramedics and ambulances on the road to attend to cardiac arrest straight away. And I know of examples where police officers have been sent to uh, deal with those calls until an ambulance is freed up. The point here is, yes, we keep talking about pay parity and that's what the unions want, but they also want um, staffing levels addressed. They are very, very concerned about safety of patients at the moment. They do not believe that they are in a position to be able to provide the type of service that they want to. And that is what they want the department to look at as well. This isn't just about pay. This is about patient safety. So, um, I mean... Hopefully tomorrow nothing like that will happen and even if it did, it's not to say that the strike action is particularly responsible for it. The issue is we know that the Department of Health or the, the, the health service is in crisis already and, and, and patients are dying on waiting lists, patients are dying on trolleys and emergency departments and um, you know so Yes, hopefully that won't happen. We will have to wait and see. We'll see how it, how it progresses. And of course, there may be changes during the course of today. This industrial action may be called off. If, if, if you were using your, just finally, Lisa, your expert eye looking in on it no. at this moment as you are, would, would your thinking be that you're expecting on the six o'clock news tonight we hear it's off? Or would it surprise you if it's averted? <laughs> To be honest, I'm finding it impossible to call. Um, I can't believe we've reached this stage in the first place. Um, it's 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 absolutely unbelievable that we have got to this point. I mean, I am being told that the trusts are very, very worried about tomorrow and that the impact that there is going to be on patients. But I also, uh, you know, it's, it's almost difficult to see how they couldn't have seen this coming. Um, it, the department are saying they have no more money. I don't. I just don't know. We just don't know if if someone can find some money today, then it can all be averted. But it's very very fast moving, um, and you know things change within the minute at the moment. Um, so we would just have to wait and see. I'll be certainly sitting beside my phone all day today, and, and hopefully I'll get a phone call at some stage saying that the money's been found and the strike action's off. Lisa, if you get that phone call, I'd appreciate if you'd come on the show between 9 and 12 <laughs> noon, OK? OK, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, Lisa. Uh, Lisa, Lisa Smith, uh, who'll be able to follow, of course, with the Belfast Telegraph's uh, coverage.